Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Phillies by seven. Philly by seven. Eagles are going to take it. All right, stand up. Look, man, I ain't against nobody. I ain't mad at nobody. I'm just telling you. This is what's going to happen, all right? Hold your Bibles up. Phones up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Glad you're here. Welcome all of you watching online uh, from all over the place. Uh, We've been doing a series, as Pastor Mark said, entitled Friends. And uh, the idea was, in the the friendship series, was to actually become better friends to the friends we already have. The people we like and the people who like us. Now, contrary to what you might think, not everybody likes you. Not everybody likes me. I wish everybody did, but I no longer lose sleep at night over it. It's just one of those things that happens. And so oftentimes we try to be friends with people that don't want to be friends with us because we want to win them. So I talked about taking advantage of the moments you have and being the friend to the people that you have a friendship with and being a better friend. And uh, so we we expressed that throughout uh, last month. This month we're talking about dirty Christianity, that ought to catch your ear. Uh, I believe that Christianity, as I read it in the Bible, is very uh, hands-on and uh, actually something that we do that is uh, sometimes outside our comfort zone. And oftentimes we make decisions uh, not based on what we're supposed to do or what we're called to do or what the Bible says to do, but we do it based on our comfort level. So we love to the point of our comfort instead of loving beyond that comfort zone until we are uncomfortable, which is one of the stories I'm going to talk about today. If you recall in the Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, God came, came to Cain and he asked where his brother was, Abel. And uh, Cain responded simply, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? We know the response to that was, yes, you are. So we're going to talk this month about how to treat people that aren't your friends, people that you don't know, maybe people you haven't come to like yet, maybe people that don't like you. What do you do when someone is different than you? Because that's always the difficult thing in our society is when we come up against a culture or people who are different than us, We oftentimes don't know how to respond. We become uncomfortable, and actually, we become resistant to that people group. And Jesus was never resistant to any group of people. As Mark already said, we find him in places that religious people would never go. And so we have to transition, and every decision that we make in life has some impact on today and eternity. There was a pastor who was preaching on this that teaching on how we're to live life now and the impact of how we live that life in eternity. And so he wanted to talk to a few of his parishioners and ask them how they wanted to be remembered when they died and what they wanted people to say about them when they passed by their casket. 
And so the very first man replied a very, you know, it was a great reply. He said, well, I want, if people coming by and seeing me for the last time, I'd love to hear the words. He was a great family man. Second man replied, he said, well, you know, I guess what I would like to hear them say, if I could hear them, would be that he was such a great servant leader in the church. He turned to the third man. The third man replied, I think I'd like to hear them say, look, I think he's still moving. I want the third man. Be nice to people now, and they'll say nice things about you later, but more importantly, be nice to people now, and they may say nice things about you now. You see, oftentimes we want from people what we are unwilling to give to people. We ask them to be something that we want instead of asking them what they would like for us to be to them. So ask yourself the question, how would I want to be treated if I was the boss that people are talking about? You know, in our culture today, there's so much dishonor and so much disrespect that it, it bleeds down from late night talk shows where there was a day when just by virtue of a person's position, you respected them and you honored them. And even in the Bible, it tells us that we're to honor authority. So when we have a president we don't like, and every four years, it's split. There are presidents we don't like, presidents we do like. But the reality is that we're called to love all people. We're not called to judge all people. We're not called to be mean about people. Say, so, well, I'm just taking my stand. Well, maybe you need to sit down. Because sometimes your stand is offensive to other people. And rather than building bridges to people, you blow them up. You say, well, you know, it's my opinion. I think we're called to speak out. Actually, if you love out before you speak out, you'll be surprised at what happens in your life. And so the story we're about to study today is a story that's very, very popular. It's very well known. Most children who are baby boomers grew up hearing this story because our parents wanted to use it to help bring us up. And how to treat other people who are different than us. So if you turn in your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 10, if not, I believe it will be on the screen. Uh, verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it's a critical question that we often skip over to get to the third part of this verse or this chapter. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The expert in the law is looking beyond the moment and saying, how can I live my life now in such a way that it will impact my eternity in the way that I want it impacted? So this is a huge question because in our world today, at least where I grew up, um, you know, I hated church. I hated going to the church I went to because our church was all about uh, looking at the things we shouldn't be doing instead of the things we should be doing. In other words, don't, don't smoke, drink, cuss, chew, or hang around people who do. You know, that was kind of our church motto. And I just thought, how do you avoid that in this world, and why do you avoid that? Because I don't see that in the Bible as paramount to my eternity. I really don't. As a matter of fact, every one of us needs grace. Every one of us needs mercy. There's no one that's going to go to heaven on their own merits or because they were really good. It's just not going to happen. We're only going to get there, and the expert of the law is asking... What do I need to do? Well, the, the answer is astounding if you really read it carefully and you look and you go, I don't want a religious, pious answer. I want an answer that will help me know how to live my life. And the Bible says that love 
never, ever, ever fails. I added a couple of evers in there. But love never fails. And now there are times that you draw boundaries and you create space. And, you know, there are people who are very resistant uh, to you. And they, they may never come around. But as long as they're around, you treat them in a way that is redemptive, a way that is loving, a way that is kind. In, in our world, we're very quick to judge people. Uh, we're, we're quick to tell you all the things that they've done wrong. And we forget the things that have been done good. As a matter of fact, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. If you remember Adam and Eve, and you know, there's a the great debate is who ate from the apple. Was Eve wrong or Adam wrong? Well, they were obviously both wrong, but men have been blaming women now for thousands of years. But let me tell you how weak men are. At least the devil's the one that tempted Eve. It was the woman that got the man. So she had the greater battle. But here she is in this perfect environment i mean in every way vapor all the water all the trees the lushness of the garden of eden and she's looking around and god said you can have anything in this garden except the one thing you can eat from any tree you can have anything you want except this one tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil now isn't it just like mankind today to look around at all that we have and all that God has blessed us with and want the one thing that, that he said, look, you don't want to touch that. And the reason God didn't want him to touch that wasn't because he was trying to be a control freak. It was because he did not want mankind to have to operate and live their life from the platform of the knowledge of good and evil. Because at that point, we're going to have to make decisions that were going to be very difficult to make. And we're still having to make difficult decisions. He pointed to the tree of life. And he is what? The way? the truth and the life. He said, if you'll live life through me and I can live life through you, you're not going to have the troubles and the struggles that you would have. But it didn't happen. And that's what happens to us today is rather than looking at all the things that God has done for us and given to us, we start looking at all the things we're not or that we don't have. If you're married, let me give you a little, this is just, we're going to go into a mini marriage seminar, about 30 seconds. There are things you don't like about your spouse. I know that. The whole world knows that. Even when you come to church and you're smiling and everything looks beautiful, I know you had an argument this morning. It's Sunday. <laughs> and so what happens is you look and say, you never, you never put your shoes away. You got makeup all over the counter. And she looks and says, well, your dirty socks, your dirty underwear on the floor. And da, 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 da. But without thinking, look at how wonderful and beautiful you are after that makeup. Or actually, honey, I'm sorry, before the makeup. You don't even need it. Why mess up the, the whole bathroom counter? You're gorgeous. And all of a sudden, you start saying the right things and who she is and what she does and, and back to him. It will change everything in your world. The problem is, because of the fall of man, we continue to look at the things we don't have and that we're not supposed to have that affect our lives negatively and quit looking at the things we do have. Now, it goes on to say this. What is written in the law? Jesus was a master at ask, answering a question with a question. He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Now hold on. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. And so what Jesus is saying, that's a correct answer. So we've made Christianity out to be the things we're not doing or shouldn't be doing. You know, when I was a kid, we couldn't play cards because one of the queens was naked or something. I don't remember. Now some of y'all go buy cards. I get that. 
No, there was something funky about one of the queens. If any of y'all don't, don't raise your hand if you know what it is. Yeah, man, I got that queen. Anyway, so you, and you couldn't play pool because pool tables were in bars. And, you know, the list goes on of the things we couldn't do. And, and of course, back in the day, it was harder for baby boomers to send. We had NBC, CBS, and ABC. That's all we had. And now you've got 3,000 channels to help you just jack up. And you got all these things available. But the reality is, is if your focus is on proactive living, godly living, you're not going to have to worry about the things you're not supposed to do. You're going to do some of those anyway. Why? Because all of us sin every day. And if you don't think you do, that's a sin. We all mess up every day. It's not about what, you know, at the end of the day going, I didn't do anything wrong. I promise you, you had thoughts throughout the day that if they were revealed, you'd be incarcerated. You're freaking out right now. It's like somebody pulls out in front of you and you're like, you're envisioning being in a monster truck and running over them. Well, that's not sin. That's just they're stupid drivers. Well, it depends on which Bible you read. Don't you want to just not honk and just wave them on through? That's hard for me. Especially when two lanes are coming down to one and people are speeding down the left. I just want to, if I was in a Mack truck, I'd just pull over and run them all and then I'd repent. <laughs> and then it goes on to say, do this and you will live. Jesus is not even just saying eternal life. He said, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? So this guy's going, man, okay, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and thinking, okay, I can do that. But then love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that becomes the question, who's your neighbor? I mean, I've had some neighbors, man. I've had some neighbors that I'm just like, I, I'm like, I, I'd talk to them, then I'd just pray them out of the hood. And i got a house available next door to me right now that if any of you want to buy this house next door to me, I'd love it. But you have to promise me you'll mow your lawn. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll pray you out too. <laughs> Who is your neighbor? So this man is like not looking at what Jesus really, what he said, that's correct. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he got hung up on love your neighbor as you love yourself. I want you to love your neighbor. Well, who is my neighbor? Isn't that the question we all ask? Is the person to my right, to my left, across the street, or behind me? Who is my neighbor? Because he's wanting to think, man, I can do all the other stuff, but if I have to love the neighbor as I love myself, my neighbor, you don't know my neighbor. Now, i got to tell you, i got good neighbors on one side. And uh, this other house, I need good neighbors on the other. So just look it up. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him, passed on the other side. So these are religious people. So you have two thieves, and you have two religious people. So the two thieves come and beat this guy up pretty good and steal from him. Well, then you've got the priest and the Levite who are coming by going, it's not my job description. In other words, this guy is not somebody we want to help. He's bloody, he's dirty, and he's in a ditch. And then it goes on to say, but a Samaritan, by the way, Jews hated Samaritans, and Samaritans hated Jews. And so when, when Jesus is giving this illustration, you have to understand he is being very pointed to point out that 
this expert in the law who would probably fall in line with the Levite. And he's looking and saying, I want you to understand what I'm about to say. And how many of you know when somebody provokes you uh, to, to talk about somebody that your people don't like, all of a sudden you perk up and go, what's he about to say? Because when you use the word Samaritan, that's like dropping the S-bomb. You're really slow today. So he uses this word, and he went on to him, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Is that a duh question? Well, the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So what we want to do today is go from being nicer and more attentive and more aware to the needs of the needs of the people that we know and we call friends to asking the question, who am I to people I don't really like? Let's be honest. There are just people, you just, they're hard to like. Am I okay with that? God, you guys are saints. Well, I don't know. There's just nobody I don't like. Liar. Come on, man. There are people that just, it's like they're in your life and you can't figure out why. It's like, why do they still work here? Why do they still live here? And, and it's just like, and it's like until you learn to like them, they're going to keep living there. They're going to keep being your boss. They're going to keep being your coworker. Why? Because God wants to use you to love them into their place. Man, when I was going to college and, and I was working at UPS and, and uh, I was unloading trucks at 3.30 in the morning, it was just, it was just I mean, man, you're... It's just work, and you'd get a break, and, and they were always hiring new guys because not many guys wanted to unload them. I mean, we we're unloading like trailers, man. And so there's a guy that comes to work one day and could have been possibly the most foul-mouthed individual I'd ever heard in my life, which I was not offended by, but I'm just, I was because I was like, I, you know, I kind of grew up in the right neighborhood. And so this guy, but, but he was just, I was just like, yo, would you please shut up? Just like the chatty Kathy version in, in man form. And, and so I just, I, every day I'd say, God, you know, and, and I was in, going through theology, you know, studying the word of God. And I'm like, I just thought I could pray this guy out. I didn't really like him. He, he, I guess he kind of liked me. All right, but I didn't like him. And I'm praying. And one day it's like, it's, it's like I hear this voice or have this thought. He's not going anywhere. I sent him here for you. I said, then what do I have to do to help him get somewhere? <laughs> and I really felt genuinely like God said, I want you to tell him about me. That's all? I, I can do that. And when I did, his response was surprising to me. It was like his whole countenance changed. And then after I told him, you know, I said, what do you do? I go to school. I'm God. I talked about God. I said, would you want to go to church with me? And I'm thinking, please don't let him say yes. I just wanted to do my job and get out. You know what I'm saying? 
do you feel the love right now? And I'm thinking, I'm going to ask him, but surely there's no way he's going to go with me. He said, I would love to. I thought, dear God, are you going to make me hang out with this guy on Sunday too? But what I realized was that I was a pretty good friend of friends, but anybody that, that, that was different, I had in a hard time because I had my whole world figured out. Hello? I had my life figured out. And the reality is there are people that come into your world and they're there for a purpose. They're there for a purpose and we have to restructure how we think. So let's look at the thieves. They said this, what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. These are the thieves. What's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. We live in a world of takers. Now, they may not physically take what you possess. They may not take your stuff. Or they may not, but here's what they take. They take your joy. They take your peace. They beat you down. And, 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 and we become those people. If you hang around with people who do that, you'll do the same thing. When's the last time you were you're at work and you're in the break room and you're talking about the boss and you're joining in with everybody instead of saying, you know what? I'm just glad we have a boss. If we didn't have a boss, we wouldn't have a job. Quit calling the boss, you know, I work for the man, I work for the woman. Nowadays, I, I just work for them. you got to quit. Listen, if you want your life to be fulfilled and happy, you got to make the twist, man. you got to make the turn. You and I cannot go around being negative and, and hope to live a positive life. So the thieves beat this guy up. Why? Because it's all about taking. And we live in that kind of world. We look and we wait for people to stumble. We wait for people to fall. We wait for people to go bankrupt so we can buy their stuff for cheaper. Instead of saying, let me help you not go bankrupt. Somebody got a revelation over on the right. All right. So in other words, we're not takers. We're not called to be takers. We're not called to just be consumers. We're called for things to come in and go out. So as we are loved, we love. As we have been given, we give. As somebody's shown mercy, we show mercy. It's not our job to be judge and jury. Thank God. Because if, you know, most of us, if we were judge and jury, everybody would go to hell. At least on any given day. It'd be like, hey, you're going to hell. Okay, yeah, you too. And we'd send them right then. We wouldn't even wait till they died. Go to hell. And some of y'all wish you got to say that. Where is my red bull? Bring it right over here, Timmy. Thank you. Jeez, I got I, I to gotta get some help up in here. Y'all ain't, you need to contribute. Okay, there we go. That's a shot. It's an attitude of hoarding. Y'all already had too much Red Bull over here. <laughs> Growing up is a terribly hard thing to do. It's much easier to skip it and go from one childhood to another. And that's what we do. We, we never really grow up. We, we continue to respond, only we do it in adult fashion. We do it with more finesse than kids who used to beat up each other. And, and the reality is that people today are looking for churches that are loving and accepting. Not perfect, not judgmental, but if you love people, you can love people into their place. Believe it or not, you can love people into their place. And, and people just want to be loved and accepted, and once you love and accept people, listen to me, they will listen to you. 
You want your kids to listen to you? I'm not suggesting you, you not create standards and boundaries, but the reality is if you do it with love, they're going to listen a lot more. The first thing we do is not to threaten someone, but to love someone. And so what if the thieves, so obviously think about it, the guy thrown into the ditch, he had some stuff going on. You don't throw somebody in a ditch and kill them and steal something that they don't have. I think the guy was probably wearing a Rolex. Some of you going, really? What kind? They didn't have them, okay? He had to be wearing something to attract the thieves. There was something he had that they wanted. And the challenge is, oftentimes what we do is look at what other people have, we covet what other people have, and in our minds we've taken what other people have. It's not about looking around and saying what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. It's the first thing that thieves do is they start looking to you to try to suck the life out of you and take things from you. But guess what? You can't take what I give. So how come Jesus says if somebody asks you to go one mile, go two? If they, they ask for your shirt, give them your coat. What he's saying is if you are a giver, you don't have to worry about people around you being takers. We hoard stuff. We protect stuff. And then it attracts people. And, and before you know it, we're acting just like these people. Hold it. I want more stuff. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get more stuff. We see Jesus saying it's not the way. Secondly, what's mine, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. These are religious leaders. What's mine is mine. I'm going to keep it. And they passed him by. They looked, and they went. not only passed him by, they went on the other side of the street. They said, we're not, even, we're not interested. We've got to get to church. Some of you heard me tell the story one morning. I was living in Tulsa, and, and uh, it was early. It was freezing cold. And I was in my warm car. And I see this guy literally walking down 21st Street, just, I guess that would be east of Harvard. He's bloody. He's got a white T-shirt on, blood everywhere. His face is bleeding. And I, I, he had no coat on. It's freezing cold. And I did not want to see him. And I take a right. He's going left. And I felt like God said, I want you to go give him a coat. I said, but God, I'm on my way to church. <laughs> and I was. And guy kind of scared me too, you know. I mean, anybody who's bloody and beat up, you just never know. You know what I'm saying? So I turned around, went to my house, because I knew this guy wasn't going far. My house was less than a half mile away. I go get a coat, and I pick him up. I go, I say, get in. And, you know, because you got to kind of be, you know, it's a guy thing, women. you got to be a little intimidating. It's like, hey, you want to ride? No, uh-uh. Hey, get in the car. <laughs> I wanted him to think I was going to beat the snot out of him more than he'd already been beat up. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't really love of God, because I thought this guy was going to attack me. He was bloody. He's going to get stuff on my car seat. I said, tell me what happened. Well, I got beat up. I said, why? I'm acting like his mother. I said, where do you come from? He tells me. I said, he said, my grandmother, my grandmother prayed for me. I said, then you need to shut up and listen to your grandmother. <laughs> By this time, I'm thinking, he's thinking, this boy going to beat me up again. Love to the point that you're uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable for a lot of reasons. 
And, you know, the world's heard the church's stories. They, you know, they, we talk to them and, you know, we witness and all that stuff. And, but the reality is the greatest testimony and the greatest witness anybody will ever hear is not that God loves them, but that you love them with the love of God. You are literally the flesh of God walking around this earth because they can't see him, but they can see you. And so we are called, if you will, like the little kid who was scared at night and said, you know, God is with you. He said, Daddy, I need God with flesh on right now. I'm scared. The world, people who are lost, man, when I was going crazy, I didn't need somebody to tell me the four spiritual laws. I needed someone to introduce me to the one and only Savior. I didn't need somebody to give me a list of rules. I needed somebody to wrap their arms around me. People don't need for us to correct their speech, to correct their lifestyle. God will take care of that between him and them. What they need is believers like us to love them. That's how come when people come into this church every week with hangovers, we're just going to start having Tylenol at the info desk. You say, but you need to rebuke them. No, we just need to make the headache go away so you can listen to me. You say, but that's enabling. No, it's not enabling. All you have to do is look at Jesus. He went into places nobody would go, and the religious people who passed this guy in the ditch by were the ones that Jesus was in talking to. We've got to get this. This is not about us four and no more. This is about going out in the highways and hedges and compelling people to come in, and you compel them by love. You don't compel them by religious mandates. Let me tell you something. There was nobody going to tell me how to live my life except God himself. There was nobody. And even after I got born again, I began to live my life by a set of rules that I thought if I live by these rules, I go to heaven. I did not understand that I'm saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. But whenever God, the love of God comes in you, you can't keep him in. He's always coming out. And you're showing grace to people the way you've been shown grace. Now, a lot of people have a tough time with grace because when you say what I just said, they think that, that, that I'm condoning any kind of behavior. I'm not. What I'm saying to you is you and I are not the judge and jury. We're called not to judge. He said, don't judge unless you be judged. And the measure you judge, it'll be measured back to you. The Bible says that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He didn't come in with a bunch of lists of rules. As a matter of fact, he came in to fulfill the law. You know why he fulfilled the law? He said, because we knew we couldn't. But if Christ in us, the hope of glory is in us, then the law of God is fulfilled through Christ and we're living through him. How many of you know when you really love somebody, you want to do the right thing? You don't, nobody has to tell you to. You love them. And love compels us, constrains us to do the right thing. So if we would talk more about loving people, the world would be changed. If we would quit hating and being mean and start saying, you know, I just believe in you. When you tell someone you believe in them, it doesn't mean you believe in everything they do. It just means you believe in them. What would happen if you heard that every day? I believe in you. I think you're an awesome person. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're created in the image and likeness of God.
I know that great things are going to happen in your life and through your life today. When people start hearing that, they start believing that. When they start believing that, they start receiving that. When they receive that, they start living that. And sometimes it takes a little longer because you're sowing into them. See, the old-fashioned church would look at people and say, if you behave the way we do and believe the way we do, then you can belong to what we belong to. But that's not right. Jesus didn't make people behave before he accepted them. He said, if you will come, we'll let you belong. If you belong, you will eventually believe. If you believe, you will eventually behave. But people have to be able to belong before they'll ever change. We have to let people belong. We have to accept people. We have to love people. That's what you do with your children. Not one of us had a kid that one year old, one year old that looked up and said, Mommy, I'm going to sleep all night. I'm not going to wet my diaper. And if I do, I promise I won't wake you up. And so whenever you're ready in the morning, Mother, you feel free at any time to come and change me and feed me. Until then, good night, Mommy. No. Misbehave. Throw stuff at one. Tantrums. Wake you up in the middle of the night. And you come in and do what? Oh, aren't they cute? Not one stinking baby cute at 2 a.m. Would you please? No, but you know what makes them cute is your love for them. What makes you get up is your love for them. They're demanding. They're crying. They're requiring. And they do it for years. And for years, you hold them, you love them, and you instruct them. And you let them belong to your family because they were born into your family. They belong to your family. But they don't behave like your family. Well, maybe they do. Some of y'all, I'm just saying. You put the dis in function. Anyway, so... But we have to let them belong. And so here the Levite and the priest pass them by without giving any attention to their need or the pain of this one person. Then lastly, what's mine is yours and I'm going to give it. This is the response of the Samaritan. So the thieves is what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. The religious people, what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. But the Samaritan says, what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. Who did Jesus prop up? The one who said, you know what? You saw something outside yourself, and you decided to meet that need. It's a life we're called to live. And it's a life outside the comfort zone. It's dirty Christianity because we're willing to say, I'm no better than anybody else. We're all the same. Created in the image and likeness of God, every one of us. And that our job and our responsibility in life is to love people because love never fails. But sometimes love will take us outside our comfort zone. It will create a selflessness in us that allows us and empowers us to do what Jesus did. For every benefit you receive responsibility is owed remember that for every benefit you receive and I receive there's a responsibility owed so if I get blessed it's because God has called me to be a blessing 
If you are blessed, you're called to be a blessing. So in your seat is a pen and a card. Would you, some of you are sitting on it right now and you're wondering why it was a little lumpy or some of you have been using the pen to massage. <laughs> Grab it right now. Now, you don't have to fill it out if you don't want to, but here's what we're doing this month. How many of you want to be a part of a team of people that live outside maybe your comfort zone? Because really what the Samaritans said was, my time is not as important or valuable as this person. And that's how we measure things nowadays is, well, you know, I don't have time. And I understand that there are 24 hours in a day, but there are 24 hours in a day for everybody. And so sometimes we just really, if we're going to be honest, can we just be honest? I don't want to take time. That's what the Levite, that's what the priest said. Is, you know what? Mm, I don't have time for this. I got to go to church. I got to go to the synagogue. What we need to realize is that the time we invest in others, God will bring back to us in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So get that card out. How many of you got it? Lift it up if you got it. You got one? Okay. If you would, go ahead and start filling it out. I'm almost done. If you want to be a servant leader, fill it out. If you don't, that's okay. Just put it back in the seat. We'll use it later. But don't write a nasty note and put it in the offering. Okay. So anyway, the reason I'm doing this is because we get, I know we get in a hurry and it's inconvenient to, to everybody to go line up at the kiosk and say, I want to get involved. I understand that. So we're trying to simplify this because as we move on to the year, we know that we've grown. We doubled in attendance last year. Would love to double in attendance this year. Would love to see that happen. And let me tell you why I would love to see it happen. Because I believe we possess something that the world needs. I believe we possess something the community needs. I believe that you are the people that can change the lives and trajectory of eternity for many people. Because we're going to love everybody. And we're going to care for everybody. And we're going to demonstrate that. And that's the reason you're here. I mean, another reason you're here is probably the pastor has done worse than you. Some of y'all go, I feel really good about my odds of going to heaven right now. I get that. But the reason I'm here is because I believe everything I've been preaching for the last 30 years and that God never leaves us and God never forsakes us. It's, it's that simple to me. Most people want to remove you and get you out of their life because it's not comfortable. Thank you for being comfortable loving me. Some of you are still coming like NASCAR race. Some of you for the race and some of you for the wreck. We're still racing. <laughs> but the reality is this is the kind of church that I've always had, always been a part of. And it always works. When we had a ministry to strippers that were going, to, and I won't tell you where because some of y'all go check it out, but there is a small community here in the city that is filled with strip clubs, and we used to send people there. And I never forget, it was a part of us loving a community that the church had separated itself from. And, and you know what? Many of those women in there were just doing their best to try to live and survive. And we would send women into that, those strip clubs. All but one accepted us. And uh, I'll never forget, we, they'd take gifts. Women would take, our, our women would take presents into these strippers, and they'd love on them. And, and uh, finally, one day, we get a call, and one of them had been killed. And uh, they said, you know, we didn't know who else to call, but we knew that your people always came in and gave gifts. Would you please do the funeral? 
Well, of course. And they started coming to the church. Why, why is this so important? Because let me tell you, everybody's worthy of love. You can judge those women all you want to judge them. But let me tell you something. When God sees them, he sees them as his daughters. We must see them the way God sees them, not the way the world judges them. This is the only way that the light and love of Jesus Christ will make it into a world that's suffering and struggling. How would you want to be treated if you were there? I'll never forget, one of the strippers finally got out of that. She had a little girl, and I would meet her at the front door every day, every Sunday that she would leave. And she had a sugar daddy, and he was paying for everything. He was paying for her apartment, her kids' school, paying for everything. She said, what do I do? I said, what do you want to do? She said, I want out. I said, then get out. I said, then what else do you want to do? She said, I want to go to college. Guess what? That woman went to college, got out. And started living a life, not because we told her to, but because we loved her into a place to believing that she could. We didn't issue ultimatums like if you don't stop, you can't come to church. We never did that. We just kept loving her. And you know what? I know this makes some of you uncomfortable who grew up in a traditional church that wouldn't even let someone in who was wearing jeans and hats. And now we have hats and holy jeans and everything on stage. If you can't deal with it, why? Because it's not what you're wearing on the outside. It's who you are on the inside. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for sending your son into the world to love us. That's what we needed. We already knew who we were and who we weren't. And uh, you showed us great love in the midst of difficult lives, not even liking ourselves. And so, Lord, pray for everyone here, everyone watching online, that uh, they would feel the love of God, your love. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there are those of you here who say, please pray for me. You know, I, I, I was such a mess, strung out in every way possible at 20 years old, ready to die. Well, I wasn't ready to die. I wanted to die, but I didn't know God found myself in a church that didn't know what to do with me one Sunday morning. And I just needed God. I didn't need correction. I just needed God. And on that Sunday morning, July 17, 1977, I decided on that day to make a, a choice that would forever impact my life. And it wasn't because of how I looked or what I was wearing. I had Peter Frampton hair, curly hair down to my shoulder blades. It was a mess. And that day I decided, I don't care what anybody says about me or anybody says to me. Man, I just got to get out of this mess I'm in. And so I just called out to God. And it's forever changed my life. Yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes on this journey. But I've never quit on Him. And I can promise you, he's never quit on me. And if you want that kind of relationship today, it's not about who you are. It's about who he is and who he is in you. But you have to let him in you. And you let him in you by calling on his name. He said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not maybe. He just says you will be. And if you've not done that and you'd like to, I want to pray for you. I want to ask you just with heads bowed and eyes closed, not about anybody else. It's about you. You say, that's me. 
your acknowledgement by lifting your hand will say, I need God. If that's you, just lift your hand up and put it right back down. Yes, sir, thank you. Are there others? Say, it's me, thank you. Are there others? You say, it's me. Okay. Those who are watching online, uh, we're going to pray with you as well. So would all of you pray this prayer with me? Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you sent your only son to die for me. Jesus, today, I call on your name. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.